Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Today, I'm joined by colleague and friend, Father Phil Guineer. He's a Jesuit. He's a doctoral candidate at my alma mater, Catholic University of America, and in the same program I graduated from, the program of catechetics. Uh, there are very few of those anymore, and uh, thank God we still have them because they're producing wonderful scholars who are helping to shape the future of catechesis. And I think that future looks bright because of folks like Father Phil. Now, he did not pay me to say that. That is really just off the top of my head. So why don't we uh, introduce Father. Father Phil, how are you doing? Thanks for joining Chattachesis. Thank you so much, Deacon Matt. I really appreciate being here. I appreciate being, uh, being on. Yeah, my pleasure. Just a little background for the audience. Father Phil and I, again, we know each other through Catholic University of America, but we also belong to a group of scholars, uh, colleagues that work in fields either directly or indirectly related to catechesis, um, representing institutions and universities all around the country. So uh, we try to get together once a month and share ideas and talk about research. And again, a wonderful indication that uh, catechetical scholarship is alive and well. Father, why don't you take a moment and just share a little bit about yourself? And uh, I'd be very interested to know why you chose to pursue a PhD in catechetics. Right. Thanks so much, Deacon Matt. Um, yeah, my name is uh, Father Phil Guineer. I'm, I was born in Seattle and raised in Honolulu. And um, I joined the West Coast province of the Jesuits um, right, after I be, right after I finished my undergraduate degree at the University of Hawaii. Um, initially, I didn't think about doing catechesis um, when I was an undergrad. In fact, I kind of focused in on international relations, specifically in, in Asia and the Pacific. Um, but when I joined the Jesuits, um, you know, the, my superiors, in addition to uh, the mandatory requirements for philosophy and theology studies, um, would have conversations with me about, um, you know, how I could contribute to the needs of the order and the needs of the church, the needs of the world. And um, through discernment, it came, it emerged that, you know, doing a combination of music, which is a great passion of mine, along with catechesis is something that um, it, it would satisfy um, or hope to satisfy, you know, a tremendous need of the church. And um, I was asked to do this work also um, because, you know, we there's just a lot of work, you know, in this field, you know, and um, there's never going to be, I think, um, uh, you know, there will, there'll always be something for, for people to do in, in terms of the catechetical world. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. In terms of music, um, the reason why I put music together is because um, I just think that especially where the directory calls us these days in terms of, you know, beauty. Um, and I think that that's just an, an untapped area where um, where we can explore a little bit more. I think people are tired mm. of 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 
moralizing, even though we need, you know, obviously we need to, to be firm in, in our moral ground. I think, um, you know, we're tired of, of intellectualizing, you know, a faith that, that focuses too much on the intellectual um, dimension. That's, that's not to say that's unimportant. Obviously, mm-hmm. we are an intellectual tradition, and that's mm-hmm. not to say that beauty is, is unintellectual. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think that in terms of music, what attracts or how God attracts is, is, is unmined. And I think music is one of those fields that, um, as, as a musician that I study would say, James McMillan, he would say it's one of those things that it's the most spiritual of the arts. And it's one of those um, arts, uh, artistic um, modes of expression that kind of gets into the crevices and the nooks and crannies of your soul. Amen to that. So what's yeah. your musical background? You play an instrument? Is it vocal? Um, okay, so the question is like, what what do I play uh, in public? And so I, I trade as <laughs> you're, you're singing singing right, in the shower I guy. Yeah. A, yeah, I trade as a singer. I trade as a choral director, so I can do that in public. Mm-hmm. What I don't really do in public is I do a little bit of piano and I do some guitar. You know, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. but that's kind of how I trade. I like. I did percussion when I was in high school band, you know, so I do have um, a soft spot for percussion for drum lines in particular. Um, I love, you know, I love the percussion sound, but, but singing, singing and choral conducting is kind of where I land. Yeah. And my high school band, that was a, my instrument was piano. And now in concert band, it was trumpet and marching band, but in jazz band, it was piano and I played jazz piano. I had a scholarship to go to, to uh, uh, University of Northern Iowa for jazz. Nice. You know? My mom nice. said, "My mom said, no way are you accepting that because we're not yes. having a starving <laughs> artist in our family." And then I said, "Well, how about I become a starving theologian?" So <laughs> I understand. I understand. You know what? There's always room to develop the piano skills at some point. That's right. That's right. Um, oh, good memories. Good memories. So I want to go back to something you said. I think that's yes. really key. Like we are tired. We're just tired right now as a church in general. Right. I think there's just kind of a gosh. I don't know. Catholic, there's a Catholic fatigue where people are a little ground down by their their pursuit of Catholicism or whatever yes. that may look like. And then there's this yes. cultural social fatigue with all the cultural wars and polemics going yes. on around us. It's yes. just burdensome. We're looking for inspiration. Yes. I, we want to be inspired. Yes. And music yes. has been a wonderful vehicle for that for ages. Yes, exactly. And it's like um, the musician that I study uh, for my dissertation, James Macmillan, he's a Scottish musician, he's practicing Catholic, and one of the world's most performed, um, you know, living composers of our time. What's striking to me is that, um, you know, so many people who appreciate, you know, um, Sir, Mac- Sir James Macmillan's work are not Catholic. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's that's wonderful, you know, because I think Macmillan can can reach you know a wide variety of people, regardless of where you lie on the confessional spectrum. But part of what I hope to do is to help our own, you know, our own flock, uh, our own Catholic brothers and sisters appreciate someone, you know, um, like Macmillan or or the treasures, you know, that we have in the church. We just mm-hmm. we're just so incredibly rich with with music and with art or ways of thinking about music and art that I think can revitalize and just um, help us boost and, and, and inspire us. Amen. So you've been, you've been talking about Macmillan, Sir James yes. Macmillan, 
why don't you give us just like a, an insight, if you were to kind of make a summative statement about what you're taking away from his work yes, and, and how you see that uh, enhancing or applying to catechesis. Yes, Macmillan, um, as I said, is one of the most uh, performed living composers of our time. And I mean, he is, um, I mean, he's very much respected as, as one of the greats of our time, you know, regardless mm -hmm. of, of where people stand on their confessional spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's composed more than 250 works um, mm -hmm. at this point, um, and he's still composing. Um, what's also striking, too, is that as people listen to his work, you know, one can and can listen to it on a completely abstract level. You know, as as music for what it is, you know, mm -hmm. music at art the same time, sake. art mm -hmm. for art's sake. At the same time, given his practicing Catholic faith, um, I mean, he's born and raised Catholic, and he's somebody who is unapologetically Catholic, which is really um, uh, remarkable during this time and age. Mm -hmm. You could also, I would argue, you know, listen to his work at the level of faith. Mm -hmm that there's something in his work that speaks faith to faith. And when we listen to it and interpret it from that perspective, I believe that we can get so much more out of it. It's as if the banquet, it's as if the banquet of our faith or what's at our banquet has just expanded or expounded exponentially. Now, um, I think music, now what music is, is, is also, you know, um, something that lots of people have talked about. Um, I think what's important too with him is that, um, you know, when people listen to music, some people listen to music to escape. Some people listen to music to relax. Some people listen to music to concentrate. Some people listen to music to worship God. Um, I think with his music, some of it can be is very, very pretty, but his music is particularly famous because it's not necessarily what some would call pretty. Yeah. It's actually pretty gritty, intense, mm. clashing, mm -hmm. um, dissonant, mm -hmm. and just actually very hard to listen to for mm -hmm. a number of his pieces. And that's an important aspect of it because what he's saying too, I believe, is that you know through music we come to understand the great um, mysteries of our life. You know, mm. we come to understand in a sonic perspective what crucifixion sounds like or what mm. redemption sounds like so it's not music as a way to escape but music to bring us through life mm -hmm. i love that and what you just said at the end about like what heaven sounds like what the crucifixion sounds like myself and how many other people for centuries have said i think and this is a this is a big if folks if i go to yes. heaven it's going to sound like the hallelujah chorus from the right yes <laughs> Yes, exactly. And we need, we need that. And I yeah. love it. That's, yeah. that's an important part. That is a tradition of chant as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's balanced. It's serene. Mm -hmm. But that's, but what Macmillan is also doing is he's adding more shades of color. Mm -hmm. It's not just that it is that, but it's also we can't deny the fact that, you know, we go, we all experience suffering. Mm -hmm. We all experience hardship, mm -hmm. but we experience grace in the midst of hardship. And that's, that's, I think that's good news for us. And so um, that's, I think that's really critical when you, when you listen to this aspect of our tradition. 
Absolutely. And you said something a bit ago, too, about sort of the subjectivity of music. And you said, you know, we, we listen to music for a variety of reasons. You know, we have yes. all sorts of intentions why we push play. Uh, yes. But I do think that to a large extent, the intention we have uh, will shape the interpretation of the music yes. that we're listening to. And it, it really, you know, makes us think about... For example, let's let's put this in a very practical setting for Catholics. Yes. So we're at Sunday yes. Mass, okay? Yes. Yep. And what were those challenges? And I'm thinking as as I'll still consider myself a fairly young father, even though I'm 43. I've got right. six kids. My oldest kid's 14. What were the challenges me and Stacy faced to get the kids ready, get them to church, get everybody settled, uh, get ourselves sort of attuned? And then the very first hymn for the day is something like, you know, rain down, rain down on God's yes. people. Okay. Yes. So yep. our, what's our intention? And I can tell you right now, our intention is just to breathe and try to calm down. <laughs> and then we hear yes. this song and, and, you know, we see some people kind of getting into it and some people really singing. And, but our intention is shaping how we experience that song at that time and our yes. commitment to that song. And yes. I just think, what do we do? Uh, from yes. a catechetical standpoint, how do we make people aware of this reality or this dynamism between intent and interpretation? And how do we help people uh, right. get into that disposition? Yes, I, 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 it's, that's a great question, you know, Deacon Matt, but I think that you just said it. What do we do? Right. And I would say we do. Mm. You know, I mean, we, we just, how do we? I feel like I've been offered just like this Zen answer and I just right. don't get it. <laughs> How do we do music? We just do music. How do we pray? We just pray. How do we yeah. eat? We just eat, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I, the reason, I mean, it's, I did just, I just didn't, uh, uh, you know, like just take that out of thin air. I mean, I, I'm shaped very much, but remember sister Wendy, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, you know, the nun who was like the art critic. I mean, I'm inspired very much by sister Wendy mm -hmm. and she was not a musician, not to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. But the way in which, you know, um, you know, she answers questions about how to appreciate art. Mm -hmm. She was like, well, how do you appreciate art? She says, you just got to look, mm. you know, and um, same thing with music. You know, how do you appreciate music? You listen or or sing or, mm -hmm. you know, just clap, play, you know. And, and I think that I'm hoping that with music, I think music is one of the most beautiful things. One of the, the best gifts that God has given oh, us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, and and one of the things I'd like to see is people just take more advantage of what we have. And and I feel that my role as a catechist is to say to people who are at the buffet, um, you know, <laughs> at the buffet of our faith, you know, um, okay, why are you just focused in on the potatoes, you know, and <laughs> Well, I'm from Iowa, so that's I mean, a given. No yeah. offense, I love potatoes. I no offense to potatoes. I love potatoes. Yeah, but there's more to life there's than more potatoes. There. There's yeah. more there. Yeah. So feast, you know, enjoy, yeah. you know, take, uh, you know, let's see the meat, let's see the fish, let's see the the variety of vegetables, and there's more than just one color of potatoes. There's you know, purple potatoes. There are red potatoes. I mean, there are like all sorts of different types of a variety that I think that the arts sensitize us to. Absolutely. I, you know, what, what you're saying about the gift of music, I mean, I mean, the Greeks thought that as well, right? Orpheus, it's a gift from yes. the gods. Um, what a gift yes. it is. And it made me think about one of the reasons it's a gift is that it, it turns people outward to the world. Uh, yes. It takes them, it turns their, in, their interior to towards the exterior. And what I mean by that is, 
so easily and so often we get lost in ourselves, lost in our, yes. in our interior life, which can be right. very, interior life can be a wonderful thing if it's yes. nourished and if it's loved and if it's oriented and of course with our faith orientated to God, to God, it can be an absolute treasure. Exactly. But yes. most of the time it becomes this strange uh, nebulous world uh, that yes. we're in of thoughts and feelings and things we never say to people and especially after two plus years of pandemic, people have been drowning, I think, in their interior life. And I think music can call us out of that and say, there is life going on around us. There is music to hear. There are people to see. And there is God in our midst. And what a gift to get us out of that murkiness into the clarity of light. Exactly, Deacon Matt, and I appreciate what you're saying there. Um, there's so many rich things that you just mentioned, and I'm and I'm glad you mentioned the whole gifts, the, the 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 whole dynamic of the Greeks, because the Greeks did you know did so much to to codify the way how we understand music, but they also warned us too that music, as much of a gift that it is, it can also drive us mad. Mm. That's why the church, you know, was was also very cautious about the power of music that's why saint augustine was also cautious mm-hmm. he he loved it but he was also cautious about it because there is something if we're not discerning well mm-hmm. there's something that can awaken things in us um that you know that might not be you know edifying or wholesome i mean that's mm-hmm. why that's why um you know certain types of music as some say you know can drive people mad or mm. that's why the church you know was very cautious about the devil's tone tonos diabolos mm-hmm. um you know in in music or the tritone or certain types of dissonance so whenever we listen to music like any gift we should appreciate it for what it is but also realize you know, it's also a gift that's meant not just for our own pleasure, mm-hmm. our capitalistic, consumeristic society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't eat music, we don't consume music, but music is kind of meant to shape the heart so that we're focused outwards. So it matters what kind of hymns that we sing. It matters what kind of music that we listen to. Um, it matters, you know, the types of art that we appreciate. Exactly. And you're bringing up a really, it's, it's sort of a tangent, but it's an important one, which is art and consumption. Yes. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. you made a great point of, I think when art is uh, not as easy to, to access, you know, it's not, we can't instantly go on and find it, see it, hear it, touch it, whatever the art is. Yes. Uh, that there's, that, that adds kind of a specialness to it. Um, it's, it's because it's not so accessible. Uh, that's interesting. I think that the fact that we can have this instant um, experience of art now granted through usually through artificial artificial means like some sort of streaming or internet or whatever it is but we can also go to the museum and and whatever but yes for most people they just hop on their phones and say i want to look at you know a, a van gogh today and or i want to see a, a monet or whatever it is so i think that, that somehow that instant ability the ability to instantly access it and have it somehow depreciates it uh a little mm-hmm. bit or or chat or maybe just erases a little bit of the sacredness and specialness of it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I particularly feel that um, what you were just describing there here in Washington, D.C., you know, and yeah. living very closely to all these museums, there are so many things to see here in terms of the art world. There are so many things mm-hmm. to listen to in terms of the music. We are so spoiled and um, 
you know, here in DC, let alone, you know, have all of this access, especially during COVID. I mean, a number of museums were making mm-hmm. things, you know, free and available, you know, online. Um, we have libraries, we can, we can access things mm-hmm. constantly. And I think that um, living in a consumeristic society, we can easily get into this mode of, you know, okay, we need, you know, we just check off all these museums on the list. You know, we check off all these concert halls. Oh yeah, I watched this movie. I listened to this concert. Just check, check, check things off as if, you know, we're just collecting experiences. But I think the the great thing about catechesis and the thing that I think catechesis invites us to is, is that deeper discernment is to, mm. it, this is where I think the virtues are so critical because ultimately beauty is supposed to transform us you know mm-hmm. it's supposed to make us ultimately beautiful people and so exposure to beauty leads to beautiful hearts and that just doesn't happen automatically there's no formula there's no pill beauty pill that we swallow there's no um magical you know thing that we listen to necessarily unless we actually choose to let that beauty sink in mm-hmm. so that we become beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, and, and in my field as a liturgical musician, I can sometimes feel that, you know, because, mm. you know, in, in liturgical music, it can be really stressful at times, you know, and, you know, and I felt this as a liturgical, uh, liturgical choir director that, you know, sometimes the demands could just be so much that it's like, I can get really short, lose my mm-hmm. patience. Mm-hmm. And then when I stop to think, okay, but yet we're training to sing the most, like, really beautiful stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, at some point, the right. beauty of the music that right. we sing should should sink into right. the way how I treat people, right. you know, in the choir that I direct. Right. It's as simple as that. That's not easy. And sometimes when I get lost in the busyness of things, I, I have to remind myself of that. Well, it's like my kids would say, if you're happy and you know it, then your face should show it. Uh, if you right. really believe yeah. what you're singing and it's a beautiful song, then there should be some sort right. of expression indicative exactly. of that. So I want to go back to what the comment I made just a bit ago. I, I, when I'm talking about sort of the uh, maintaining the sacredness and sort of the specialness of, of art, uh, not to like say, for example, let's put up barriers so people can't access art or let's charge a high price so people can't, right. not, not everyone can access it. What I'm suggesting is like, I think going back to the, to the connection between our disposition or our interior life and the art itself, like what are we bringing to the art? What are we bringing to the table when all we do is click a mouse? Like versus think about like ancient mythology again, since we've been talking mm-hmm. about Greece uh, or fables where you go on a great journey uh, to receive a prize, you know, maybe it's a golden yes. harp from the gods or a sacred uh, sonnet on a scroll. You climb this mountain to receive it. That scroll, that song, that harp that you're going to play is going to somehow reflect that journey you just took in order to get that. You know what I yes. mean? It's somehow you're yes. going to be played into that and in, into that music and that music will play you. If you're just on your yes. phone, clicking, 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 clicking. I'm just wondering what, are, what is the journey? What are you bringing there? What is the disposition? That's a, that's a great question there because I I have to so I have to say that at, before COVID before COVID I tended to be a little bit more critical of technology and I and 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 I think that um, 
I, I think that, you know, it's easy to think of, you know, technology as, you know, like clicking, like the click culture as, mm-hmm. as a natural enemy, you know, mm-hmm. against, mm-hmm. um, against a life that is really meant to be more contemplative, you know, um, thoughtful, what have you, but teaching through COVID and, um, and, and, and having gone through COVID and still going through COVID, there's also something that is, I think that there's still much more that we need to think through in terms of the whole thing about clicking. I mean, I think that we can click in a way that is catechetical. <laughs> I mean, click, well, clicking catechism. Yeah. Intention, exactly. I think that, yeah, intentional. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, that's that's how, I mean, I, I have to say that, that personally speaking, getting... I click on certain videos online mm-hmm. to help me get into the mood to pray. Mm, that's terrific. You what know? a great example. Yeah. Or I listen, I listen to, you know, podcasts, you know, I listen to interviews. I listen, to, I see things online through it that I click that can, that can help me, you know? Um, so just by clicking by itself, clicking in and of itself, you know, is just clicking, you know, but I think that we can click in yeah. such a way that could be instructional. Yeah. Or I that love- can be catechetical. You no, know? don't, don't say that with a, with an uptick or a question. Yeah. Absolutely. Again. Yeah. And I think um, you made me think of something uh, about the intentionality. Like, like when you go to the internet, like instead of surrendering yourself to whatever you're going to find and, and whatever rabbit hole you, you, is next that you're going to go down, how about discern yourself? How about discern? Yeah, and exactly, then exactly, exactly. Or um, I, I think I think that if I if I'm let's say have a session on the internet, you know, like listen, if I want to listen to some videos, mm-hmm. uh, listen to some music, and I click away, I'm I'm, I'm pretty. I do have a, an intentionality there that mm. I think that that's, that can be, that can be helpful. So, yeah, I think this is an area that we need more discernment and we need more reflection because I don't think, I think it's too easy just to dismiss clicking, you know, the idea of clicking things away. I think we can click with a purpose. I think we can click for catechesis, you know, I think we could. That's going to be the um, next logo. Click yeah. For click, catechesis. Click, click for catechesis. <laughs> um, because that's, that's how I've, I mean, I, that's how I've learned a lot of stuff about different yeah. people. And, yeah. but at, at the same time, um, uh, I also have to be aware of, of what it's doing, you know, at, at, at a deeper level, you know, with my mm. own heart and soul. Yeah, you've got my you've got my uh, marketing gears turning in my head. Maybe instead of like clickbait, we could have click bread because it's so nourishing <laughs> what you're what you're clicking on. You know, it's supposed to nourish right. your soul. Um, exactly. this is, <laughs> well, Father, as I said before, we we got on. Uh, this is going to go by so fast. And we're already at the end of our of our time. So um, first of thank all, you. well, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate. Oh, it. it's a pl- it's a pleasure, Deacon Matt. I really appreciate what you're doing. It's a tremendous service that you're doing for the church here through this. Well, thank you. And I always ask our guests to offer a blessing for our listeners. So would you be so kind? Sure. Um, We pray that through the intercession of Mary and the saints, um, that those who listen may be blessed, you know, through God's grace. And I pray this God who is Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We've been chatting with Father Phil Ganier, uh, Jesuit, who's also a doctoral candidate at, at I was going to say, 
CUA, I should probably say the name, Catholic University of America, my alma mater. I'm so glad you're doing this. We need more people in catechetics. So thank you, Father, for your discernment. Um, and we chatted about music today and the role of music in catechesis and really the role of beauty. Uh, so check out that new general directory if you haven't seen it, that wonderful section on beauty and art and music and its role in catechesis. And, and discern what, what makes sense. Uh, how can we help everyone from young people to older people to be inspired? Because that's what music does. It, it calls us to the beauty and transcendence of God. So I hope you've been inspired by this show. My name is Deacon Matt Hallback, host of Chattachesis. We'll chat with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.